guys, you're listening to Sheer Crime. I'm Amy. And I'm Kenzie. And today, we are bringing you yet another story from our home state. This is the eighth episode in our series we like to call Minnesotes. Kenzie will be sharing this case with you today, and like you, I have not heard it. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to you. Well, thank you, Amy. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Yay! So this week... I am bringing you a Minnesota on Catherine Ann Olson. And the sources that I used for this week were Murderpedia.com, ThoughtCo.com, Wikipedia.org, and SWNewsMedia.com. Okay. Wanted to make sure I got those out of the way before I forgot. (laughs) Yes, that's probably a good thing. It is. Before we get going, I did not ask you how you are today. I am doing great. It's Friday. It's... The end of a really busy long work week, so everything is great. We're going to have great weather tomorrow. It's all good. Everything's great. It is all good in the hood. (laughs) All right, so to start the story off this week, we meet 24-year-old Catherine Ann Olson. She was a fun and exuberant woman who had graduated from St. Olaf College in Northfield, where she pursued theater and Hispanic studies. She also nannied on the side, and I'm assuming she must have started her nannying career while she was still in school. Oh, sure. Because it pays pretty well, and, you know, you're busy with school, too. And it's probably kind of an easy thing to do while you're still in school. Oh, for sure. You could do homework while the kids are sleeping. Absolutely. And I even read that she graduated from Park High School in our hometown of Cottage Grove. Uh, what? Yes, in 2002. And she was the co-valedictorian of her class. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And it's just, this the story is very tragic. So just to think of the life that she could have had, um, it's very, very sad. On October 25th of 2007, Catherine responded to an ad on Craigslist from someone named Amy who was looking for a nanny. I promise it wasn't me. I know. (laughs) I was like, ooh, Amy's mentioned here. I was in 10th grade. (laughs) Didn't work out. Amy and Catherine exchanged a few messages back and forth to find a time to meet up for an initial interview. Obviously, parents usually like to interview who their new nanny is going to be, make sure this person's legit and seems safe and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Catherine did tell her roommate, though, that the person who was placing this ad seemed kind of strange. She felt something was off. Maybe it was her gut instinct telling her that something was a little weird here. But assuming she may be overthinking it, she decided to meet up for this interview anyways. She had been under the assumption that she would be meeting Amy and her husband in regards to nannying their children. Sure. And if the interview went well, she would be watching the kids the same day. That was kind of how the arrangement would go. Okay. So she drove out to Savage, Minnesota to their home for their scheduled arrangement to watch the kids. And it stated in a news report that she was there to watch the kids from about 1030 to 5, but got there a little early to do this initial interview, meet and greet type of situation. So I'm assuming she got there around 9, between 9 and 10. They didn't really specify. But she was greeted at the door by Michael John Anderson. Michael was somehow able to get her up the stairs to his bedroom, and he ended up shooting her in the back with a 357 handgun. After this, he dragged her body down the stairs and tied her ankles together. Oh, uh, that escalated quickly. Yes, it did. 
And police say that Michael then stuffed Catherine's body in a sleeping bag in her trunk and drove five blocks to ditch her vehicle at Kramer Nature Preserve in Burnsville. I know where all of those places are. Really? I used to live in Burnsville. Oh, yeah. I I was thinking that you might know a little bit of these areas. I have another uh, park that I'm going to mention here, too. Oh. Before he left, he took her smashed cell phone and wrapped it in a bloodstained towel that had his name written on it in black marker and toss it away in a nearby trash can. Wait a minute. He just <laughs> writes his name on a towel randomly with a black marker. It wasn't right. even like professionally like embroidered. So it's not like a monogrammed towel. I know. I was trying to get more information on this and they didn't really state it's unclear whether it was like his full name, his first name, just initials. It was hard to tell, but it was potential crucial evidence to finding this killer. My God. It was it was a weird detail, but I couldn't keep it out. No, you can't. <laughs> now I'm wondering if he writes his name on everything. I know, because he seems a little old to be doing that. I mean, you do that when you're like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe. And your parents do that? <laughs> not, not you. Not you. We do find out he lives with his parents. So that that is always yes a red flag yes so this this that could be where that name is coming from so was that his parents' house it was it was his parents' house Ew. yeah okay my kids are not allowed to stay with me past a certain age <laughs> if this shit's gonna happen right this is gonna happen at their own home that's right not that's mine. right then you have to move don't pollute my home I know. I know. Authorities learned the next morning that Catherine's purse was found in a garage can in Pacer Park in Savage. Is he just like driving around to all the areas he can possibly do and just yeah. dumping evidence? I'm assuming all of these are probably in they close are. proximity. There's a lot of parks down there and Burnsville and Savage are like right next door. Right next door. Yep. So I'm assuming he was just going around to make it seem like... Yeah. You know, have evidence in different places, maybe. Yeah, spread it out, harder to find. Well, and at first, they thought that it was just a theft. So police called Catherine's home and left her a voicemail about having her purse in their possession. Sure. It wasn't until Catherine's roommate, Matt, called the police later that day to inform them that Catherine had not been home since 8 a.m. the day before. Investigators go back to the trash can where her purse had been found and discover a garbage bag inside that was hiding a bloody towel. This starts an extensive search of the park, but they come up empty handed. It didn't give them any clues to where Catherine was. So that was his bloody towel with his name on it. Dipshit. Mm hmm. They next went through Catherine's cell phone and credit card records, but that too gave them no information. However, they did find some sort of evidence that ended up leading them to Michael Anderson's parents' home. He probably wrote his fucking address on the towel, too. They did not go into what evidence they found that led them in that direction. But while the investigators look into this lead, they enlist the help of the Minnesota State Patrol to get one of their helicopters to fly around and see if they can find where Catherine's vehicle is. They still haven't found her vehicle. Right. And have no idea where it is. It did not take them long to find a vehicle in the parking lot of Kramer Nature Preserve and identify it as Catherine's. 
This is when they find her lifeless body in the trunk of her own car. Ew. That's literally like the worst thing that you could find is opening a trunk and finding a dead body. Oh my gosh. Yeah. During Catherine's autopsy, it's revealed that the gunshot wound to her back was what ultimately killed her simply due to her bleeding out. She also had injuries to her knees, nose, and forehead. They found no evidence of sexual assault. So, like, what was the point? I mean, not that obviously, like... Oh, yeah, like, sexually assault her first and then kill her. Like, uh, But that's usually but, the motive. Well, right. Usually there's a reason for wanting this woman to come over. Right. You know, you have some type of, I don't know, need or whatever. Right. But, yeah, like, that, why? Why just some, why? Super random, no real reason as of yet, right? We have no reason why he would do this. And he didn't know what she looked like. Right. So it's not like he could have had a type. You know, like maybe he was going after like ex-girlfriend revenge and just needed to kill somebody who looked like her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. And the police found blood splatter in several areas of the home, along with the gun and shell casing in Michael's bedroom. They could visibly see drag marks on the floor from Catherine's body leading down the stairs. My God. Did he put a chalk outline of where she landed too? Honestly, it's, it's unreal. Police stated that the stairs had appeared to have been cleaned up except for the risers. So they still had blood splatter on the back risers of the stairs. Okay, let's remember this is a man. I know. <laughs> Half-assing a cleaning well, job. And he left the, the mark on what I'm assuming is the carpet. It must be like carpet down. I don't know. How do you, how do you miss that? It, it seems really messy. Yeah. Really, really messy. And not thought out very well. Not even a little bit. Michael John Anderson was arrested at the Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport where he worked fueling planes. Ew. I know. He was sent to Scott County Jail and bail was set at $1 million. Michael initially told police that he was completely innocent and had never been in contact with Catherine. Police looked further into his home records and proved that was a lie and knew Catherine had called Michael on Thursday morning. He was also caught lying about using Craigslist since they were able to link his email address to the email in the nanny ad. I mean, there there was no way around this. He did cover his tracks at all. I don't know what he was thinking. He wasn't. Mike, okay clearly sniffing way too much jet fuel (laughs) because my god like all all of that what did you do did you watch one like slasher movie and think you knew how to get away with it i don't even think he watched one i i don't even think he did that this is much It, it seems like this is all so random and definitely not planned in any sort of fashion. Yes, just a completely senseless act. Right. I mean, I, I do believe that there was a bit of premeditation, obviously, with the nannying ad. So premeditation, yes. Yeah. But, like, he had no plan after the fact. After he did it, he had no clue what he was going to do, and no. he was just going to figure it out as he went along, yeah. I think. There was, like, no blueprint to his plan. No, which is very odd, especially when you're doing it in your parents' home. Right. He had, like, point A... And point B. Yeah. And there was no straight line to it. No, not at all. Now, not only did they have the phone and internet information, 
but they had a lot of DNA evidence. They found a hair strand on Catherine that belonged to Michael. Sure. His fingerprints were on her cell phone and the garbage bag that had the bloody towel in it. And they also linked the blood in Michael's house to Catherine. This was a solid case. I mean, open and shut. Absolutely. After getting confronted with this information, Michael decided to change his story. As they all do. Well, yeah. He told them that he had been present for the murder, but that a friend of his committed the murder because he, quote, thought it would be funny. Um, no. What? He doesn't have friends. No. And who thinks it's funny to kill someone? Psychos. Literally. He has to have something wrong with him. That is just a weird statement to make. It is super weird. I mean, that's literally like the first like random thing that would pop into your head and you say it out loud. And where is this friend's DNA? If you got your DNA all over the place, where the hell is the, the supposed real killer's DNA? Yeah. doesn't make any sense. No. Michael pleaded not guilty due to mental illness, claiming that he suffered from Asperger's disorder. Asperger's disorder is a neurodevelopmental disorder characterized by significant difficulties with social interactions and nonverbal communication, Mm -hmm. along with restricted and repetitive patterns of behavior and interests. Yeah, I have a cousin with Asperger's. Yeah, and I've I've watched shows, well, TV shows, of course, but I've 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 known some people, but I've seen TV shows of how that that kind of interaction is, and they they're played really really well. Have you seen Parenthood movie? No, it's a TV show. No. Very good. They have a son with Asperger's. Oh. And he does a phenomenal job in the role because... Yeah, they're very high functioning, but they're on the autism spectrum. Yes. Very, very smart people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember she was like little. I mean, little, like five, six, seven years old. And she could tell you how a complete like surgery would happen. Yeah. Like how they... They memorize things. she was so into that stuff. Yes. Yep. So... It was possible that he he could have this illness, right? Possible. The court ordered that Michael get a mental examination done by both a forensic psychologist and psychiatrist. I literally had no idea that there was a difference between these two people. A psychologist and a psychiatrist? Yep. Oh, yeah. So a psychiatrist... (laughs) Where have I been? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, psychiatrists can actually administer medicine. Like, they're medical doctors. Yes. Psychologists are not. Yes, so I... Didn't even know there was a difference. Yeah. Again, learn something new every day. Yep. (laughs) And both the psychologist and psychiatrist came to the same conclusion that he did not suffer from Asperger's and was not mentally ill in any way. Well, I was going to say if he was, there would have been a paper trail of it throughout his life. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? This isn't something you just develop at, did they even say how old he was? 19. Okay, so he's 19 years old. You cannot tell me that he went through elementary school, middle school, high school. Right. And that was never something that was brought up or noticed or diagnosed. Exactly. Now, the defense depicted Michael as a lonely, socially inept young man who had been turned down by Catherine and responded to that by pulling a gun on her as a prank and it accidentally shooting her. Mm. Also implying it was caused by a sympathetic response, meaning like when one hand flinches in response to the other hand by him tripping over his dog. To say that he tripped over his dog. How many things happened in this room at one time? (laughs) 
I'm like, wow, this this is all over the damn place. This is like dominoes. <laughs> One so thing after another. He grabbed a gun because she didn't want to be with him, tripped over his dog, and accidentally shot her in the back. Yeah. Never in a million years would it happen. Ever, ever, not never. No. Ever. No. The prosecution's idea of what happened was a little bit different. They stated that Michael pulled the trigger on Catherine due to his curiosity of what it would feel like to kill someone, backing this up with testimony from fellow inmates who heard the same story from Michael himself. He even stated that he wasn't going to plead not guilty by reason of insanity because then he would have to be sorry for what he did. And he didn't feel sorry for what happened to her. And I'm like... What a monster. He told another inmate this. Of course he did. He was probably in the jail. trying to show off oh, and I'm trying sure. to get some friends. He was probably He showboat- had no friends. <laughs> he was showboating to get friends. 100%. He had no friends. <laughs> That's so true. So he lived in Savage? Yeah, he did. I wonder if my friend knows him. Yeah, it'd be interesting. She would have graduated around the same time. Yeah. Oh, you'll have to keep us updated on that. Yeah. The jury deliberated for five hours before returning the verdict. On April 1st, 2009, Michael John Anderson was found guilty of first-degree premeditated murder, second-degree intentional murder, and second-degree manslaughter. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. At the age of 19. Fuck you, man. What a way to throw away your life. Like, yeah. over what? Being curious as to what it's like to kill somebody, I don't get it. No. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Did he actually think he was getting away with this? Well, it's so bizarre to me because, okay, don't get me wrong. Have I fantasized about killing people before? Sure. When somebody is walking too slowly in front of me at the grocery store, (laughs) I imagine what it would feel like to take that person's life. Or how about slow drivers? The worst. (laughs) The worst. But... There's also that immediate click in my brain of, huh, but then guess what happens? Right. And it's not worth it. No, no. It, it's, it's so sad because Catherine could have had such a great long life yeah. and all of her family and friends said that she had such a bright future ahead of her and she was so smart and loving and had so many friends and to die for nothing. Like it just, it's just so, so tragic. And side note. He was actually the first murderer referred to as the Craigslist killer. (gasps) Shut up. Because in the beginning when you were talking about it, I was going to reference why I think Craigslist is so fucked. Yeah. Because I swear to God, they were just luring people places to kill them. That's insane. Yeah. So I kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to ruin the story. Many people probably remember the Philip Markov case. He was the big headliner for the Craigslist killer name. Yeah. But Michael was actually the first one that coined this phrase as the Craigslist killer. Ew. So that is the the tragic and really sad story of Catherine Ann Olson's murder. That's fucked. It is. It's so, so sad. And just to know that she graduated in our hometown. Like, I probably have people that know her too. You know? Well, yeah. Because it's a really close-knit community. A lot of my family lives here. I'm sure that we had some sort of connection, and I think her parents still live here. Ugh. Yeah. It's it's super, super sad and, and just so, so selfish and unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I, I had heard it, but I had completely forgotten about it. 
Yeah, there's so many I've been looking up lately. It's like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot that this happened here. There's too many to keep track of, which <gasps> is a sad thing. So sad. It's not ending, and that's that's the thing. It's like I would love it if the murders would stop happening, but unfortunately, it's just it's not in the cards. It's not in the cards, that's for sure. Well, to end this on a a bit of a lighter note, um, I do have a couple of reviews that I want to share. I'm actually going to share three of them because two of them are kind of small. Yeah. So I figure like, why not? And I love me some reviews. I know. So not to brag or anything, but these are just all five-star reviews. They are. Um, I'm just going to confidently say these people are the best. <laughs> the first one here is from Juan Elt. And it, the title says, love you guys. And then it says, best podcast out there. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> Side note, that's my mom. She's probably pretty accurate in that description. <laughs> the next one is from Smash Hole 85. I, I love that name. I love it too because it's so raunchy. Mm-hmm. I know that it has to do with something nasty. And my best friend, we call her Smashly, so I love it. It's I call my friend Smashly too. <laughs> they titled their review Rocket, and then they go on to say, You guys are great. The next one is from Aubrey Claire. She says, You guys rock. Y'all are the best. You give crime junkies and sword and scale a run for their money. I'm hooked. Keep doing what you're doing. You guys rock. With a heart emoji. I, I get goosebumps. got goosebumps when I read that one. I cannot believe it because I listened to both of those podcasts and they're amazing. Oh. So the fact that we're even being somewhat compared is... I can't even believe it. No. I love you guys. You guys are the best. We truly appreciate this. So if you'd like to have your review read on one of our minisodes... Go out there on whatever podcast app you listen to us on, rate and review us, let us know, and if you think that we're not seeing it, send it to us in an email. Like, screenshot it and send it to our email, requests at sheercrimepodcast.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at sheercrimepod. Instagram, you can find us at sheer underscore crime underscore podcast. And of course, we're out there on Facebook. You can join the Sheer Crime Podcast discussion group and get in on all of the fun memes. Ooh, I love it. I know. With that, we are going to close this minisode, but we will see you next week with a full-length episode right here on Sheer Crime. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, and remember, never run with scissors. Bye, guys. See ya. See ya.